Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to the Roga Report podcast. I am your host, Connor Bromley, and I'm here today to present to you a victory podcast. Yes, that is right. Sunderland defeated Oxford United 2-0 on Saturday, and suddenly everything is a little bit rosier in the garden of Mackham Land. To digest the game today, we are joined by Christopher Wynn. Are you in good spirits today, Christopher? I certainly am. First win of the season, four points out of six. Much better than last week, mate. We'll jump over to Niall now. Niall, how's things going for you today? Yeah, good. Yeah, obviously very positive after after that uh, performance and result yesterday. So yeah, all in, all good in sunny Blythe. Excellent. <laughs> okay, so I'll quickly jump through the action from yesterday. Sunderland took the lead through Luke 9 early in the second half when he expertly finished a very uh, scrappy move. I think scrappy is a fair word to use there because it wasn't the finest of uh, worked chances but then Lyndon Gooch added a second when he just suddenly became Leo Messi took on the whole Oxford team twice and well it felt like twice I think he probably only took past three players but it felt like more to me and then he slid the ball past the helpless Oxford keeper and just before we get started properly day I just want to take a minute to think about Wigan Rondres and how they are still practicing they're not wanting to play football by getting hammered yesterday so just a it's moment a for them that they're sticking to their guns there that's um, a shame. Probably social distancing on the pitch if they got to be five nil. So <laughs> just wanted to give a little shout out to them. So let's begin, Chris. What's your initial thoughts yesterday when you saw the team selection? So this is before you've seen them win two 0 What were you thinking? And now looking after the match, is Phil Parkinson vindicated by his selection? Uh, well, take the first part first. So I did the preview during the week, and I did mention about Parkinson's. Um, kind of obsession with having the Holden midfielder in front of the three centre-halves, which I didn't think he needed against Bristol Rovers, well, which I, I don't think anybody think thinks he needed against Bristol Rovers except Phil Parkinson. But what I did say on the preview was that this was actually, I think, a, a perfect game for the way Phil Parkinson play, sets his teams up. He doesn't set his team up to go at you know average sides at home who are going to sit on the edge of the box and try and keep a lead. Um, he, he's, I think he's shown in the past that he needs a plan for that but these type of games where you go away from home you need to keep it tight and then you're going to get the first goal and then start playing from there it, it shows that he, he can do that he, he can set the team up to do that Ledbetter came in did that job I think much better than Dobson did last week but you know to, to be fair to Dobson that the situation actually suited that role this week um, but Ledbetter played well. We got the result. We got three points. And you can't say that there's no way kind of Phil Parkinson got it wrong. He, he, he got it right and we won the game. Now, would you agree there? Do you think Parkinson now, you know, sort of 24, 48 hours after the game is vindicated by his tactical decisions? Yeah, I think everybody kind of half had the pitchforks out, didn't they? Two o'clock when the team sheet was announced yesterday. I, I mean, I know I, I was definitely guilty of that. Uh criticised I couldn't understand it I was a bit confused by it um, I thought it was far too slow I thought you know O'Brien Danny Graham Grant Ledbetter Chris Maguire all in, in the same 11 was a little bit I just thought we were going to get outpaced um, but yeah I'll hold my hands up I was completely wrong I think I think the in the first half I think the second half made the first half make sense Um tactically and, and you know the first half we, we got down and dirty so to speak we didn't really have that many chances but we didn't really 
they didn't have many chances either. We, we kind of snuffed them out. Um, and it was like a say, we kind of just stopped them from playing. And then in the second half, we're, we just got a hold of the ball. And that's what Ledbetter was there to do and kind of dictated play. Um, you know, we, we were the ones that kind of made the game what it was. And, and Oxford didn't, well, they never really had a look in, did they? So, like I say, the, the second half did make the first half make sense. And if that makes any sense to you. But yeah, it was, um, it, like I say, I. You know, like like what Chris just said, totally agree. You, you need to hold your hands up and see it. And he, he he did not get it wrong yesterday. He got it completely right, and and it did surprise a lot of people, including myself. Just to come in on, on a point you made about that first half there, the way the second half you said made made sense of the first half. I mean, from my point of view, with that, that first, I mean, God, that first half, that that first half matched up almost with last week's first half. How bad we were last week in the first half against against Bristol Rovers, and we we came out and looked slightly better last week against Bristol Rovers. And I think the same happened this week where he got them in at half time. And there was a realisation that Oxford were there for the take and the three points were there because they, they showed nothing in that first half really to show that they had any threat kind of you know going forward. And we, we kind of had them in our back pocket. But the problem was in the first half, we didn't have any threat either. So I think Phil Parkinson, it seemed like he put a rocket up them and said, you know, if we start playing... The, you know the three points is there for the taking, and we, we seem to came, come out with that sort of realization that all we need to do was, was kind of take the game by the scruff of the neck, and that that's that was seen what came out for that second half. Back to just final point on the team selection quickly. Obviously, Dobson came out, Grant Ledbetter came in. The place on the bench was filled by Conor McLaughlin, which I think most fans were a bit confused by putting a right back on when you've got a Dan Neal or a Jack Diamond there, who it feels like deserve an opportunity after impressing when they've been given a chance in pre-season and then in the earlier cup games. Niall, what did, what did you make of the decision to not include them on the bench? And is it getting concerning now that we might have another sort of barley mumba about them youth players whereby they've obviously got quality, they're obviously good, but the manager isn't willing to risk putting them in, which means that, you know, come a year's time, they might think that they see their future elsewhere. I think it, it it's strange because I, I think you've got to you do have to question it and wonder why it's why he's doing that. I don't think it's fair to criticize it. I think because it, it you know it worked. We got we got the points. Phil Parkinson's quite old school. I think once he makes a decision, you know he just wants to win football matches. I think for whatever reason he thought the experience was the way that was going to win us that game yesterday, it, and it did really. Um, and and good use of of substitutes, which is things he's been criticised for in the past but it was it, it is a bit of a shame to not see them coming through is is there a reason behind it I don't know I think these players you know it's competition for places as well and yeah I, th I think at times the fans would love to see it but the fans would only love to see it because I haven't seen enough of it and, and it's everyone gets excited when there's a, a Barley Mumbar or, or a Josh Madger or something like that coming through everybody gets excited and wants to see more of it but we don't see what Phil Parkinson sees every day we don't watch them in training we, we don't know what these lads are like maybe they're, maybe they're not ready for the big stage yet Um, I mean it, it could be something as simple as that It I, do, I don't see why he would have included them so much in pre-season and in the cup games if if he wasn't, you know, going to include them throughout the season, and I think he will. And you got to remember, you know, forty six games. We're basically playing a lot of Saturday, Tuesday. It's going to be for virtually the rest of the season. Just about we've been lucky the last few weeks because of the cups, but that that's what it's going to be. You need a big squad, and I think we've got a big enough squad. And these young players, I, I can't see them. I can't see we're going the full season without using them. So maybe he's just keeping them fresh getting the, the points on the board first and then when injuries come through, you'll, you'll bring them in. But like I say, I, I don't think it's fair to criticise him on it, but I would certainly question and ask him and, and like to find out why he's doing it. But I'm, I'm sure there is logic behind it. It'll be interesting to see whether or not they feature for the under-23s this week. Okay, back to the match though. First half, Niall, you touched on this before, but you know, was this the grand plan of Phil Parkinson? Before the game, did he sit in his war room and go, yes. We are going to grind out a horrible nil-nil at half-time and just nullify all the threats of Oxford and then the second half express ourselves and, you know, get all three points. Chris, is, do you think that that was the intention of the game or do you think we just were really poor, Oxford were really poor and in the second half Parkinson got his team talk and tactical tweaks right while Carl Robinson persisted with that mundane football he was offering? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think um, we maybe showed Oxford a little bit too much respect in that first half. I think, I think Parkinson went into that game 
you know, Oxford were a good side this season. They're, they're one of the favourites to be up there this season. And I just think we went out first half, gave them a bit too much respect, didn't didn't kind of really think, well, let's go at them from the off. And I think, as I said earlier, I think there was just a realisation with the way that the game petered out in that first half, where it was just a, I mean, it was a slog. It was a slog to watch, never mind a slog to play in. I think even the players would have kind of hated playing in that first half, especially the midfield, just watching the ball kind of go over their heads either either way from, from both sides. Um, it was just it was just a horrible game in that first forty five minutes, and like I said, I think I think there was just a realization that that was just let's step this up and go at them because I think he he started off by saying let's keep it tight, let's be cagey, and then when he when he got into half time, I think he just thought lads they, these are there for the taking, let's step this up, get the tempo up from kick off, get that first goal, and we'll beat these, and I, I think that's how it turned out. Now, do you agree, or you you got a different take on that one? No, I, I agree with what Chris is saying. I, I, well, I half agree with that. I think I think he has come out there to be tight. I think he, that was probably in his team talk before the game. That that's the reason he, he made the eleven he made. That's the reason he had led better there. I think he wanted it tight. He wanted to keep a hold of the ball. I don't think he obviously expected to be as scrappy as what it was. But I, I do think that that you know his intentions were to stop Oxford from breaking because Oxford have got some pace in that team, which, which we've seen before. Um, and I think he just wanted to, to kind of nullify that and and like. Yeah, get the half time and so like I'm I'm a bit fifty fifty on what Chris is saying. I think there was a little bit more, you know, strategy behind it. I I think there was a plan. Um, I don't think he improvised as much as what Chris is suggesting, but I do think that there was it was a bit of both. Um, and yeah, it's it just shows that Parkinson, you know, for for the lot of criticism he gets. It just shows that, you know, he has got the experience of this league and, and he can make decisions and can change things and when when he wants to and the, and the can work. Chris? Yeah, I, I think uh, you, you might you might well be right with that, Niall. You might be spot on. But, <laughs> if I mean, as a football manager, how do you come up with a strategy to have a first half like that? Well, <laughs> no, I don't... I don't <laughs> I don't think he said, right, lads, we're going to have a horrible first half. We're going to be scrappy. It's going to be awful. Everyone's going to think it was awful. I, I don't think it's quite like that. I think, like I say, it it was just keep it tight, keep things together, stop Oxford from playing. They're the home team. I know it's a, a little bit different without crowds, but they're still the home team. It's still a home game for them. It's still a game that they would have looked at and thought, we need the three points here. Um, I don't think people look at us anymore as, as a bonus point like they, they might be used to. I think they do look at it as a, a chance to win. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it just it was just that it was just keep it tight, keep it short, and and then and then make the substitutes which he did. Like Linda Gooch, who can change a game and and, and win it. I can see you got to be experienced here, so you obviously you obviously I'm, did it. Don't I'm, just agree, think, but. I'm just thinking of that those last words before we go out. Right, lads, no passing on the deck, and make sure <laughs> those aimless fifty yard balls are there. Right, lads, just for the first forty five minutes, and then we'll change I'm it. I'm gonna probably say that the truth <laughs> is somewhere in the middle. I think Parkinson probably came out with the idea of not conceding the first half, but I cannot imagine he was that impressed with the way we were playing, which brings us on to the second half nicely as a good little segue there. So second half, suddenly it looks like a very different Sunderland side. No substitutions as well, just a rocket up their arse seemed to make all the difference at half time. And suddenly we started playing football and, you know, using the qualities we know the squad has. We know that we're a, a passing side. We know that we have more quality technically than most sides in this league, and then the goal comes, Lugo 9, which <laughs> wasn't much quality about the build-up, but the finish was very good in itself, and not many teams will have a right-back who's capable of scoring probably between 5 and 10 goals come the end of the season. So I suppose the first question is, and I'll throw this one straight to Niall, <laughs> why is it that in the second half they suddenly started playing like as Sunderland fans, we know they can, we just don't see it enough. And what is it that changes inherently with this team where at times they show these glimpses of, you know, 45 minutes of brilliance, but sometimes throughout that turgid first half at Oxford? Well, it goes back there, right, lads, we're going to be shocking first half and then be brilliant second <laughs> No, it's... Uh, it, I mean, like, it's just like I've just said, really, I'm just going to repeat myself in a sense. I think there's so many times that you see Sunderland come out all guns blazing like that has happened over the last couple of years in League One, and then we end up drawing one one, and everyone's disappointed, and and that happens quite often because we don't score the goals. 
Yesterday, I think it was a little bit more organised and there was a little bit, you know, more, more strategy in it. I'd, I just think he he thought Oxford were going to come out like that and we just stopped it. And, and defensively, we looked so strong. I think that just complemented what, what Parkinson was trying to do. And, and that's why it, it kind of looked like that's that's what he intended. And, and that's why, like I said before, how in the second half, he managed to change it up and managed to, you know, keep the ball on the floor because we, like you said, we are a passing team. I don't think we're not big enough. We don't have the presence that other clubs do at this level to to sort of loft the ball up. And I know a lot of people say party ball and that's how Parkinson likes to play, but I don't think that's what he wants to do because we, we just don't have that in with. Um, and Charlie White, for me, isn't good enough to kind of get on the end of enough of that. So I think that's why that's why we're playing the football we're playing, which is probably a subject that you're going to come on to later, but which is why I would play Greg up front, but obviously we might come back to that. But yeah, I, I, I do think that it's... It's it's nice to see that Sunderland are playing football, and is it coincidental that they it's only the second half that they've started doing it after a pretty cagey first half? I'm not sure. I, I really don't know, but it's interesting anyway. Well, Chris, I think part of what I was trying to articulate there is is if you can play as well as you can as we did in the second half, why wouldn't you set out from minute one to do those things? That that's what doesn't really make sense to me. <laughs> well. Yeah, I was I was going to say exactly the same thing there. That um, I, I mean, I said it last week after the game. My initial reaction was, I don't get it. And then I did. I think I recorded a pod during the week, the preview, and I said I don't get it. And my issue is with you know that performance last week against Bristol Rovers and the first half yesterday is you know we've we've got some good. We're one of the best sides in League One, and when we get the ball on the floor, you can see. The likes of Maguire, the likes of Gooch, you know, Max Power, you know, even even Will Gregg when the when the ball was played into his feet, you could see last week he he's got a nice touch and he knows he knows the game, he knows how to play the game. He's a he's a good technical player. But why don't we play to their strengths? We we don't play enough high tempo in the last third with you know with the technical players we've got and use their strengths. Um we, we play these aimless balls, we try and win the second balls. Um, sometimes, I mean, even even yesterday, especially in the first half, the amount of times our centre-halves got the ball and it was an aimless ball forward and we just gave away possession so cheaply and, you, and you're kind of shouting at the screen going, imagine if you're the manager on the sidelines, you should be shouting at them, just pass it 10 yards, keep possession, keep the ball and give it to the players who can play. Instead, half the time it goes over their heads. And I'm just hoping that that second half, when we got the ball down on the deck, showed what we can do means that Parkinson's going to say to the players, right, this is how you play. <laughs> this is the game plan. You know, get into the final third, bit step up the tempo, you know, take players on, be positive. And, and that's how you get goals. That's how you get chances. So the goal itself, uh, Lugo 9 scores it, a very good finish. To me, it poses the question, which I think Sunderland fans have asked since Lugo 9 signed for the club. Should he be playing somewhere else than right back? I.e., should he be playing further up the field. Niall, I know you probably think that he is a right back and he's done well there and he's played a lot of games there, but do you think that there is an argument to be made that Sunderland should be looking at recruiting a right back so that they can get Luke maybe a little bit further up front? Sorry, I'm still mesmerised by Chris's passionate speech there. I mean, no one else can see his face. I can see his face and I think his vein was going to pop in his forehead there when he come through. I don't know. Chris Wynn for manager. I think yeah, he's the one we need in for the... <laughs> For the motivational uh, speeches, but no... Um, He's drinking out of a Kilner jar, which is what I like. <laughs> it's, oh, it oozes <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm the biggest Chris Wynn fan in, on the planet. I've, I've been very vocal about that, but... <laughs> um, back to the point now. Yeah, Go back on. to what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, I do think Luke 9 is now a right-back. I think he's just played... He's played there so often. I think he's good at it. I think he's he's good at getting forward. I know he does get questioned a lot defensively at times, but I think in this league, at, this, at League One level... You know, most fullbacks are, are going to be questionably, you know, like they're, they're going to be questionable at doing something, and his is defending. But at the minute, our our defense seems pretty tight and seems pretty pretty good and organized. So I think it it doesn't matter as much, and and he is good at getting forward. And like you say, he's he's more than capable of scoring four or five goals a season, which is like you said before, more than what other fullbacks in this league will do. So. I think play him there. And, and if you look at his actual career record now, he's not too far off playing, 
you know, as many times as what he has right back as what he did centre midfield. So I think I think he just it's handy because if we do need to play him in the midfield or, or further up attacking midfield, we can't. He's, he's that option. You know, it's, it just adds more depth, really, doesn't it? And Conor McLaughlin, for all the criticism he gets, if you need him to slip in there and do a job, he can slip in there and do a job if needs be. So yeah, I, I think Luke O'Neill is well right back. I wouldn't look at bringing another one in. I think. I think Luke O'Neill's probably happy with that. I mean, we all know what he's like, and I think he's the type of player you could probably see. You're going in nets, Luke, for, for this game. You're going in goals, and he'd probably be, yeah, no problem, that's fine. But like, in a serious note, he's, you know, I think he's he's competent at, at right back, and I think he, he loves getting forward. He's got pace. Um, and, he, and no matter who plays in front of him, whether it be Maguire or, or Gucci or whoever plays in front of him, he's always got a, a good working relationship with him. They've always seemed like they've got a good understanding. So, yeah, I, I think he's all right back now. And he might argue differently, but I, I do think that's that's his position now. Chris? Yeah, well, well, I'll just quickly say on that is what you were saying there about Luke and I, you know, getting into those positions. When he's in that mood, and when he's been asked to be positive and getting that final third care, I think he is effective on that right-hand side. I just think his performance last week against Bristol Rovers, where he seemed to be, I don't know, there seemed to be a mental block there last week. He he was going backwards and sideways when he had the ball. He wasn't making them runs in behind. He wasn't looking for the ball out wide. He wasn't making any runs. And uh, this week, first off, it started off that way. Got the ball, looked back, looked sideways, never looked forward. Second off, just completely different mentality, and but and you saw he got it in that, those positions, got a goal, and when he took, I can't remember what chance it resulted in. I think it was um, O'Brien, wasn't it? Or nine beat a couple of players on the right hand side and got in, and then knocked it across the box. When he's doing things like that, I mean, he's he's more like a wide midfielder in the system we've got. But I just think maybe in home games against the likes of Bristol Rovers, if we maybe moved had Diamond out wide and maybe moved or nine in the middle to get some energy in the middle and get the tempo up against some of the average sides. I mean, like you said, Niall, that might be a plan moving forward kind of later in the season. Yeah. I just want to talk a little bit now about the general fullback situation. Denver Hume, I think it's fair to say he's blossomed into a very competent and solid left back at League One. He's got his flaws. I think his final ball's not the best, but as a young player, I can see Chris Wins forming here. So <laughs> he's really well. As a young player, I think he's de- developing into a solid left back. Do you think that we need to be looking at bringing another left-back in order to help push him, maybe a more experienced one who can help teach him? Chris, I'll throw it to you. I'm guessing you're not Denver Hume's biggest fan. No, I think I think he's I think he's got the tools. I think he's got a great touch on him. I think he he's learning all the time. He's, he's still young. But I think at this point, you know, we've said it for too long about his end product. I mean, fair enough, in his first season, yeah, he needs to improve his end product. Second season... Yeah, he needs to you know improve his end product. Third season, come on, what are you playing at? You know, at some point, <laughs> at some point, you know, improve your end product. Um, just too too many crosses yesterday. He did blind. He didn't look up. He just hooked it into the box. Um, he just he just needs to improve that. Kind of be switched on when he's when he's got the ball in cut positions. He he's effective. He gets he gets the ball. He he was positive. Um, he just needs just needs a cross on him, and he'd be he'd be fantastic on the left. But I do think we need cover for him, um, to and maybe someone on you know at least level terms to try and really push him because I think that could be the that could be the key to making Denver Hume into a into a re, one of the kind of top left sided players in certainly in League One. Uh, I mean, I know what you're saying about the end product, and I would agree that his end product is poor. But yesterday he did create some chances. He played one across for O'Brien, which O'Brien should have scored. Technically, it was his cross that was fluffed by O'Brien that resulted in uh, Lugo Nine's goal. So I think his end product is improving, I would say. Um, I think he's getting better at it, and I think he's clearly working on it, and I think his choices are improving. I'd like to see some stats, because he, he hooked in a lot of crosses that, you know, and, and not many times were they close to anybody getting on the end of them. There were a couple, but my problem is he does it without looking. He needs to look up more. He kind of he tries to hook it into areas rather than picking someone out. We don't know if that's not you know you might be told look for areas. This is where they're going to be running. I don't know. I'm just being Possibly. devil there. Possibly. But we'll we'll jump on. We'll jump up. Um, Lyndon Gooch gets the second goal. He just jumps into full blown messy mode and just decides to take on everyone and slot the ball nicely in. Niall, do you think that's why it's important to have players like him on the bench because you know. If you bring them on, you know, they've got that little bit of quality that maybe we're lacking during the, the game. Exactly that. Exactly that. Um I think if you if you look at what Gooch can do, 
it's you know he he can be frustrating and you know he gets a lot of criticism and he's had a lot of criticism recently certainly but he's he's got that little bit of quality i think just the fact that he has been in and around you know premier league players and stuff like that and obviously he came through the academy with you know when when the academy was actually decent um and he has got that bit of flair and like you've seen it against mk dons last season you know and, and that that absolute worldy goal and he scored another one against doncaster and he's and yesterday that was just daft that that tot, sort of goal i mean the thing is if if can you be critical of Oxford's defence? Maybe, but I think it doesn't matter. You know, he, it was nothing was stopping him. They were him. mesmerised, Niall. They were mesmerised <laughs> by Gucci. They just didn't really know what to do with this. Well, yeah, well, it might have been. I mean, if, well, I mean, if you actually see it, it's not as it's not as simple as the fact that he's he's just ran and ran and ran. Like he actually he, he fakes a pass at one point and he it just a quick one way. He he kind of lifts up his boot and then just puts it back down and, and kind of tricks the, the Oxford defender into going the other way and then just runs around and then a lovely cool little slot past the keeper and how many players in, in the, at this level can do that? How many players at this level? How many teams have got a player that can do that? Especially a player that can come off the bench and do that. Not even a start now. I mean, like, it it doesn't happen. It it, it It's, you know, it's, it's a bit like a cheat code for this level. So I think... you. You know, it's absolutely amazing the fact that we've got that option. And I think Gucci is... Obviously, he's going to be banging on, on Parkinson's door tomorrow morning because I would be if I just scored that goal. You know, and being like, I need to play every game because I've just done... You know, that's what he's going to be doing. But competition for places is so healthy and we've seen that. Um, and like I touched on earlier when you talked about the young lads coming through, that the fact that we've got the depth is, is so vital to what we need to do. Like I said, it's such a long season, especially with the Cups and the fact that we've got these and we've got options like that. There is no team in this league has that kind of option. So, yeah, I think it's fantastic and hopefully hopefully it can work more than that throughout the season. Yesterday, last season or the season before, that would have been a 1-1 draw. There would have been a, a corner come in, it would have bobbled off about six players and it would have went off the back of one of Oxford players' horses, gone to the back of the net and we would have been sat here trying to figure out how I haven't won the game and how we've come out with a 1-1 draw. But the fact that Parkinson brought Gucci on when he did, that little bit of extra pace, that little bit of, you know, flair, he, he killed the game and finished the game. So, yeah, brilliant. I think now I got excited about that one there. Though I must say, last season we did win 1 0 away at Oxford. They didn't get one in off the arse, so maybe wrong on that point. <laughs> um, do you think that Lyndon Gooch now potentially should be in the team ahead of Aidan O'Brien? Aidan O'Brien's the, players are, the player that I've picked out just because he was, I would say, ineffective yesterday. Uh, Chris, what do you make of that? Do you think Gooch now should be in the start 11? Well, yeah, it's a difficult conversation for Parkinson to have if he doesn't put him back in after that. Um, you know, if if he if he turns around and says to Gooch, well, you're on the bench after that after that, producing something like that. Um, I mean, what what you want to do is to say, you know, to your players who are, don't make the eleven, right? When we ask you to come on, you produce, and that's how you force yourself back into the side. So, I mean, if Gooch comes on, does exactly that, and still doesn't find himself in the team, that's a tough conversation for Phil Parkinson to have with with, with Lyndon Gooch and. As Niles just said, I think everyone knows that Lyndon Gooch, when he's on form and when he's, you know, when he goes through those odd consistent patches where he has, you know, a run of eight, nine, ten games where he's really producing, he's getting the goals, which he did for Parkinson last season at, at one point. Um, Parkinson knows that he's going to be one of the best players in League One. And it, if he shows that type of form like he did yesterday, I, I, th- I think he has to go in. And I think O'Brien, he shows that he's got a, you know, he's a good player in pre-season. It hasn't quite worked for him in the two games he's had. Not all his fault. Service hasn't been great for him. But yeah, I think I think Gooch has to go in. Um, if it's not for O'Brien, I don't know, does he play four attacking players and change the, the system slightly? And maybe uh, kind of one of the midfielders come out. Maybe Maguire comes out. He wasn't oh, I fantastic I yesterday. Doing, I don't see him bringing Maguire all that team. No, no. But I, I mean, like I said, O'Brien seems like the, the only kind of option really if Gucci's going to come in so yeah maybe okay we'll jump now we talked a little bit well we talked about the fullbacks before but the central defenders I think deserve a lot of praise this season four games in all competitions no goals conceding in open play do you think this is the best defense we've had in league one since we've been relegated a couple of years ago now yes without a shadow of a doubt it's um it's the best defense we've also got the best cover we've had um 
you know, I, I think coming on, like, Jamadjali, we'll, we'll go with that. He, you know, he looks competent. We haven't seen enough of him yet, but to think that he, he is still to come in if there's an injury or whatever, um, you know, it's 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 good and it's relaxing to know you've got that cover to come on because I've been quite vocal about Ozturk. I never trusted him personally. I, I, I didn't. I thought he was too slow, lethargic and, and had a mistake in him. Um, and I didn't like the thought that he was what only option coming off the bench at it, it, centre-half at times. Um, and, and same with Lynch, I, I was a bit sceptical about him. I don't so much feel like that about any of these players at the back. So, yeah, I think it's by far the strongest defence we've had. And, and they look like they're communicating with each other brilliantly. And, and you touched on the full-backs before, they're doing their jobs. And, and the, the centre-halves are, are, are covering them when needs be. If, like, so 9 or Hume when they get forward, they're slotting straight in and covering them. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see. And I don't think anybody would doubt the fact that this is by far the strongest uh, backline we've had since we got relegated to League One. I think you've hurt my feelings there talking about Ali Turk in such a negative way. Um, Chris, what do you make of that? I mean, I think I'll just put one little point in there before I let you go on a tangent. But I think the way Parkinson sets up the right centre-back and the left centre-back really help the full-backs and give them a bit more licence to go forward as well. I think that's a very good tactical, good defensive tactical system that Parkinson's introduced. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's why um, I know people knock have knocked Flanagan in the past, but that that reason what you've just raised there is the main reason why Flanagan is on the left side of the, that three. I think you know his experience at playing at fullback helps him a lot in that position where he can come across. And if if the wing backs out of position, if Hume's pushed forward and the wing is attacking Flanagan, he's used to people attacking, you know, and him defending in the position that fullback would be, not necessarily in the natural position of a, of a centre half. So I think that's. That's part of the reason why Flanagan's on that left-hand side. And in terms of defending, I mean, 100%, you know, with Niall on that, I mean, in terms of defending, this back three, um, look, look, you know, they, they haven't really been troubled. I mean, we've conceded a penalty, a, a really daft penalty. And the only other chance I can remember that the opposition really should have scored was that one, that, that header yesterday that went kind of across the face of goal. Um, other than that, we haven't been threatened at the back at all. What I would say about the the, the three at the back, um, the other point I actually wanted to make there was was Bailey Wright. I mean, he's he's going to be in, if he, we can keep him fit this season, he's going to be incredible in the middle of that three. Um, I mean, what a, what a centre off at this level, um, amazing signing. But what I, what I would say that about that three in the first two games is I think it's important. I think they're more important than some people give them credit for in terms of you know how they set us up in an attacking sense, because in the second half, you saw them playing the balls into midfield, um, into feet, and let the, the other players get on with it. And they were knocking it wide to Hume, knocking it wide to a nine. In the first couple of games, it started to go wrong when we were attacking from the centre-halves and they were playing those, they were trying to play those long balls that were going wrong. Now, if they can if they can sort that out and just say, right, give it short, give it to the people to start the attacks, play some nice you know, 10, 15-yard balls into feet into the middle of the park, um, you know, in an attacking sense, then then that will really improve our general play going forward. But but defending, I mean, they they've been superb so far. Moving on now, central midfield. I I think this is probably the the position where there's most question marks. It looked like Power and Dobson were going to essentially have that role to lose, and I think both players, uh, Power's done okay, picked up a knock though, so we don't know what his status is. Dobson was poor in the opening day, got himself sent off. Next question, Scowen, is he going to be an option? Ledbetter did really well yesterday. Is he now an option? Dan Neal, potentially an option as well. I've probably forgotten someone uh, off that list. But what do you think, Niall, makes the most sense for us as a team in that central midfield area going forward? Or does Parkinson just change it on a game-by-game basis? I think it's 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 a headache that I wouldn't like to have as, as a manager. Um it's it well it's a good headache but it's a it's a really tough headache to work out because I think a lot of people have, I mean Scowen a lot of people think he deserves a chance and you know when you watch him yes it was against Villa twenty ones it wasn't against the best opposition but you you're seeing glimpses of what he can do and it's it it would be nice to see him in there for to to see him have a start and and see what he's like and you know and then maybe even if it's if Parkinson has got a problem with him and if there is something that Parkinson doesn't quite like let the fans see that and then and then we can know or at least tell the fans or or whatever because like I say that there is a lot of confusion and but I think we've got enough there certainly got enough there to to you know 
be to play football but also get down to the nitty gritty when it's needed. So I don't I, I think the midfield's fine. Um uh yeah, it's Scowing, like I said, I would love to see him in there, but there's obviously a reason why he's not throwing him straight in. I mean, I don't know if he's Chris McQuire's backup, <laughs> is what he said the other day, but it's, you know, for whatever reason, he doesn't fancy him just yet. Um, but I'm sure he will. I'm sure we'll see him at some point, and we'll probably be here criticising him at some point as well. So, no, it's um, it's certainly looking looking healthy in the middle of the park. Chris, what do you make of the centre midfield options, and what do you think is our best centre midfield if everyone was fully fit? Well, I think I think what these first two games have shown us is that I think we need a, a game plan to match the opposition and the situation. So I think last week, um, you know, with Dobson, as I said a few times, Dobson in front of those three, we didn't need him there. Um, there was no need for him to sit in front of those three. Um, it, you might as well have said to um, Dobson and Power, look, get as much as get get forward as much as possible. But you know, you're experienced enough to know that if there's a threat you know, in behind and you need to drop a little bit. Um, but I would have, I would have pushed them on forward last week. But the situation against Oxford, Ledbetter came in, played that role absolutely brilliantly, uh, won the ball, gave it easy, sometimes kind of used his passing range to, to get us going, knocked out wide. Um, but yeah, I think we've got, as now said, we've got some brilliant options now. Uh, we've got Neil uh, to come in, um, who, who looked good going forward as well. Scowan looks good going forward as he did in pre-season. Um, and, and hopefully some of these forward kind of players who like getting forward is going to help us in those games at home where we drew last week, uh, last week and last season um, if Parkinson's willing to push them for, further up the field um, and kind of, you know, make that holding midfield player redundant. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Parkinson plays. I hope he's learned from these two games that he, he's, he needs to kind of change the, the, the system based on, on who we're playing. The other conundrum in this team is striker. So Greg didn't get a, a look in yesterday, obviously started on the opening day. Charlie White looked fairly decent during his little cameo yesterday. He was winning headers, which we don't often see from our target man. He was getting himself about. So I thought White did him well. Graham and O'Brien, you know, we've talked about O'Brien already, but Graham didn't, you know, he seemed to struggle yesterday, but obviously it was his debut, so you don't want to be too harsh on him and I'll throw this one to Chris I know it was Niall's turn but I've let Niall have the first two so I'll let Chris start on strikers what is the well what what is the the striking the answer to our striking dilemma going forward you know who do you think makes more sense to give a game to or like the central midfield do you just treat it on a game by game basis yeah it's a, it's a tough one it's a tough one because that that one up front role is such a niche role that it's it's tough to play, and especially the way we've played it in what three quarters of the games, the two games. There's only really the second half yesterday where we kind of really getting forward and, and creating chances. But uh, will Greg? I felt sorry for him last week against Bristol Rovers. He had to drop back and drop wide to actually look for the ball, and he wasn't getting in the positions where he wants to get in. He wasn't able to make the runs that he wants to make as well. So, um, Danny Graham. We didn't see much. He hardly touched the ball because of the, you know, in, the, in that first half and and second half. Where even when we were attacking, um, he seemed to be the one kind of holding it up and linking the play. So, uh, I don't know. I, I would. I think Danny Graham out out of our options at the moment is going to probably get us more goals. Although I'd like to see Will Gregg be given another chance if we play like we did yesterday in the second half. If if we're really going at the team, you know, creating chances because I think Will Gregg will stick them away. So I don't know, I'd say for now, because we've got the results, stick with Danny Graham. But I'd like to see in, in one of the home games, if we really go to somebody, I think Will Gregg is, is probably a, the best option to, to come back in, you know, if, if that scenario comes back round. So, Niall, would you agree with Chris's assessment there, or have you got a different answer? No, I'd, I'd agree with it. I'd agree with what he's saying. Um, it is a very difficult one. What I will say is that I think we've got four capable um, strikers and, and different strikers and I think that's a main thing because we, we, we don't have a striker who's going to go out and score well, we're, we're potentially doing great but it's obviously not working for whatever reason but we don't have one who's we don't have a 30 goal season striker by the looks of it right but if you can get you know four strikers who get eight each like you know you're, you're recreating that striker in a different way and like 
like I say, we've got four strikers who are very capable, and I think they're all different as well. I mean, he's seen Aidan O'Brien yesterday. Yeah, he, he missed two sitters, I'd say, but he got in the positions, he made the runs, and they were both difficult, you know, runs to make, and he got there, and he did well. Um, you know, how many times have we sat here and said, but we're not getting in the final third enough, we're not creating these opportunities? We did yesterday. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't finish them off, and, the, you know, the game probably should have been finished before Gucci had to come on and, and do his messy, but it's... Like I say, it's it's just a di it brings something different, and Danny Graham brings something different, and Wake brings something different, and I think it's 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 really good to know that you've got four, the the choices of four. Whereas if you've looked in the past few seasons, Hooper had to bring on a front. Antoine Semenyo again, he's a bit young, he's a bit raw. Jerome Sinclair, Kaziah Sterling, you know all these players who. Never really did anything. They didn't have that flair. They had a bit of pace about them, but that was about it. We've got more than that now. We've got we've got options who we can bring on. You can turn to that bench with twenty minutes to go if you need a goal, and you can take your pick. And and that's that's an important thing to have. Um. So yeah, I th I think it's 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 clever if that's what Parkinson's done. If he's done it like that, trying to recreate the kind of thirty goal uh, a season striker, then it's clever, and I hope that is what he's doing because I think it could work. So, Parkinson, just mentioned him there. We're going to talk about him now. Last week, a lot of stick from pretty much everyone. All throwing pelters at him, all tweeting about him. He ignores all the white noise. I know that for a fact. I spoke to him about it before when I was at the club. You know, how do you cope with the Twitter barrage that you can get? Well, you don't read it. Fair enough, Phil. But if you were going to give him a rating out of 10, 10 being he's 100% safe in your eyes, he's a good manager, he's what we'll need... Or a zero, which is we should sack him right now. Where do we sit on Phil Parkinson between zero and ten? Chris, I'm interested to hear what you think. Uh, and when you say mark out of ten, we're talking not on his Oxford United performance. You talking? Well, about... we're talking about your how you feel about Phil Parkinson at the minute going forward. With zero being essentially, I would get rid of him as soon as possible. Ten being, I feel like he's a long term, you know the best manager we could have right now? Wow, what a question. Uh, I'd probably go for something like a six. Last season, he, in my eyes, I think he failed last season. I think he, he took over when we were in a position in the playoffs and we finished outside the playoffs. You know, we talk about points per game and, and all that sort of stuff, but at that point, he was outside of the playoffs. <laughs> we should have, uh, for, for my eyes, we should have been pushing... He had long enough to be pushing for at least, you know, cementing a, play, a place in the playoffs, never mind pushing for, for automatic at that point. Um, he was that, that's why he was brought in. That was his job. So I think he failed last season. Um, he's had a summer. He seems to have got a, a way of playing in place at the moment. But I just think the jury's out on him. I think um, he, was, he was under pressure after last week because, that, as I said last week, that was the easiest game on paper out of the first four. Um, so then we had to go to a tough place like Oxford and go and get a result. And he, he, he needed that because imagine our conversation today if he got beat yesterday. I mean, to, we were completely different and he certainly wouldn't get in the six. Um, but he, uh, he's he got some tough games coming up and I, I think we just need to be threatening for promotion and, and in and around those those top six and, and looking for automatic. And that that's our expectation. That's his expectation. So we, we can't say that we're... We're asking over the odds from him. We're not expecting miracles from him. We're expecting what's expected, what should be expected. Um, so the jury's still out. He's got some time because of the situation at the club off the field at the minute. So I think it's just kind of game by game at the minute and, and see how it goes. Niall, a six, is that too high, too low about what you're thinking? I, I totally get what Chris is saying. I, I would go. I would probably go sort of 75 I'm a little bit higher, but I mean, I'm I'm a Parkinson fan. I like Phil Parkinson. Uh, I thought Phil Parkinson was the right man to come in. Obviously, I know a lot of people disagreed, but I thought with everything that goes on off the pitch at Sunderland, you know, Phil Parkinson's the best man to deal with that because he's had 10 times worse at, at Bolton. So, like, I've always been a fan of him anyway, but at the minute, I think, yeah, he's, he's the man to take us forward. I don't see what, any point would be of sacking him. Like Chris said, though, if we had getting beat yesterday, you know, then that Peterborough game would have been massive for him. Absolutely huge. So, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah you, you've got to keep him in. You've got to keep him in. I, I believe in consistency with managers. I, I like what he does. I like the way he speaks. I, I like the way he, you know, he bigs players up at times. And yeah, fair enough. 
he did say like he was going to bring the young ones through. He hasn't done that. He's got reasons behind that. John was on the podcast the other week saying he would like to see more balls from him. I think he, he doesn't quite make the, the tough decisions sometimes. He's done that with them two young ones because there's people asking questions about it. He brought the OAPs in yesterday and we managed to win the game. So, like I say, it's, you know, I think he has got that little bit of bite, that little bit of I don't care what the fans think. You know, I'm going to do what I want to do, which I think is best to win this game. I'm going to bring on the subs I want to bring on. And he, again, that's something that he's shown with Scowan. A lot of people want to see him. He's not really utilised him that much. So yeah, um, 7.5. I can't see any other any other reason not to have him. I like the manager. And I think he you know, he is going to be the manager to take us back to the, back to the championship. I, I definitely think that, 100%. You heard it here first. I was just putting my hand up when uh, now was saying there was some people who, who thought that we shouldn't have appointed Parkinson and I was, I was one of them. But... Uh, but yeah, now now he's here. Um, he can he can crack on. But yeah, he's he's got a chance. And I think I've said in the past before. You know, I don't think Phil Parkinson will ever manage another club the size of Sunderland again. No. So this is yeah. this is his opportunity in management. I think if he can get us going, he'll. It, I think it'll be his only opportunity to manage a club this size that could take him. Um, you know, I mean, infrastructure wise, we've got the potential to go to the Premier League. So if he gets it right, you know, good on him. Fair play to him. Um, it, it's his opportunity. And just a, just a quick point as well, I'd say that in the two sides that we've played so far, I, I don't know whether this is going to be a trend going forward, I hope it is, but Bristol Rovers and Oxford United were, were pretty poor. You know, if this is what how it's going to continue, I think I think League One's there for the taking this season. Yeah, I feel like League One's been there for the taking for the last couple of years, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll, we'll jump ahead though, we'll look ahead to the Peterborough game next weekend I suppose this is a, a two-pronged question number one what do we expect to see from Peterborough going forward we know they've had a lot of changes and they've lost some of their better players and the second thing is is how do we see Parky approaching the game you know does he go with more the team that we finished with yeah on Saturday or does he go with the team that started or does he go with something different so I suppose Niall I throw this one at you initially what do you expect from Peterborough what do you expect Parkinson to do with the team um I think, well, is it too early in the season to call it a six-pointer? Because I think at the end of the season, we could look back at it and think it was pivotal. Um, You know, it's two teams who both feel like they were hard done by last season with the points per game. Probably more, well, definitely more so them. But still, it's two teams who, who want revenge. Obviously, Peter Bra, they were uh, getting beat 1-0 until the 91st minute yesterday and managed to, to pull together, you know, a win. Um. So obviously they've got big characters. They've got some good players. Yes, they've lot. They've lost a lot of good players. Obviously with Ivan Tony and Madison and players like that. Even but they've also you know they've got Johnson Clark Harris players like that. They've recruited well. I think they've always recruited well in in this league. So, um, yeah, it's it. I, I don't know what to expect from from Parkinson because I'm hoping that he's gonna. It, it might be sensible to you know play the likes of Leadbetter or something like that in that hole again and, and just try and control the game and try and sort of make sure we dictate it and they don't dictate it. That could be the difference in it. Um, It's going to be interesting. I think Peter Bright, if they want to, they can play counter-attacking football because they've got the pace uh, and they've certainly got the talent to do that. So if we do want to just you know pile on pressure, it could go against us. Parkinson's definitely got to look at that. Um, so no, I, I really don't know what to expect. I mean, nobody expected the starting 11 that he put out yesterday. So it's, you know, who knows? Who knows what, what, what he's going to, the way he's going to approach it. I would hope that he would approach it in the manner of, you know, being sensible. Like I said before, keeping a hold of the ball. We're good with the ball. Like everyone can agree we're good with the ball. Um, we're getting better without the ball, which is something that we're good at, but we're getting better at it. So... Fingers crossed we can have the ball more than we don't have the ball. Um, and, and that's the way Parkinson needs to look at it. Chris, do you agree with that assessment there that you've got... Well, Niall said he basically has no idea how Parkinson will approach it. Do you agree with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Niall mentioned it was a six-pointer. Um, and, I mean, if you look at last season, when we got stuffed at their place 3-0, was it uh, Luke O'Nine and Charlie White got sent off and we had a bit of a horror show. Yeah. But actually, I mean, if you look, if we got those three points... I mean, not sure either. I think that would have impacted the points per game at the end of the season. We might well have been in the playoffs last season. So, you know, sometimes it <laughs> rides on a on a game like that. But yeah, I mean, they've, I can't believe how much money they've spent for, for a League One side, considering there's no money sloshing around. I know they sold, I can't remember the guy who they sold Tony. for. Yeah, they sold uh, sold him for um, a decent wedge. And uh, they bought Harrison Schmodix, I think. I don't know whether that's yeah. a right way of saying it, but uh, they've 
spent a couple of million quid, which uh, not many people have been able to do in the summer. So, uh, so yeah, they, they'll be, you know, they got a result last week, like Niall said. They'll be, they'll be looking to. You don't spend that sort of money in League One in the current climate if you're not expecting to be up there and get results. Uh, so Darren Ferguson's going to be under pressure to get results, and the, you know, fair enough, they got one last week. So I think that they're going to be, they're going to go all out. They, I think they, they'll think they're our equals in this division and, and fair play. I mean, we've finished on the same points. Uh, maybe not the same games, but we finished on the same points. So I think, yeah, I think both teams are going to go at it. And I think in terms of the way we'll set up, I think we've seen enough from Phil Parkinson to know how loyal he is to players who give him a performance. And I think the only change he might... I think Ledbert will still be in there. I think he'll be happy with the way he protected the back three. He'll keep him in there. Um, The only change he might make is the one we discussed earlier with Lyndon Gooch coming in. And I think that will give him headaches before the weekend. But I think that'll be the only change he'll make if he actually does make any at all. I would probably agree with that. Interesting to see, obviously, Max Power, whether or not he'll be fit. And if he'll replace him with Josh Scarron or maybe go in a different direction. Well, I think that is a wrap for us today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please remember to subscribe on your favourite podcasting app or on YouTube. Uh, thanks to our guests today, Niall and Chris. Pleasure speaking. Great way to spend a Sunday. Not great to look pleasure. at. <laughs> and uh, hopefully next weekend we are here talking about a beautiful and stunning three points when Sunderland hammer Peterborough United 7-0 why not <laughs>a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.